If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Slightly Something Else. Hopefully, this intro is as jarring to you as it is to me. That music just <laughs> cuts right off. Yeah, it's intro yeah, is as part of the thing it's part of the flow yeah the flow that's right <laughs> and speaking of flow Ooh. this week in slightly something else i'm yahtzee crozier by the way did i mention that uh, i want to say that's assumed your name and which is also your twitter handle is right underneath nice. your face in a fancy graphic thanks omar or nick well, I thought or I whoever made it well i thought i'd better say it in case people were finding it hard to recognize me with my short hair now Yes, because when we think of Yahtzee, we think of long, luxurious hair. <laughs> you should tell my self-image that. <laughs> I no longer, like to get completely off topic, I no longer picture myself with hair. There was many years after I shaved my head that I could still like, like mentally picture myself with hair and I can't anymore. Yeah, well, I'll probably be taking that route when my balding gets more obvious. Though it's held on surprisingly long. Yeah, there you go. Because I'm, I'm balding from the back, so I can pull it off. Mm -hmm. I've been able to pull it off into my late 30s. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, mine but started just, going from the front. What are you going to do? It's just a matter of time, though. But this isn't a podcast about the aging process. This is a podcast about the reviewing process. Because last week we were talking about the technical side of the reviewing process. But I right. felt... I think what we learned from that is that one of us is quite into the technical side of things, and the other one of us is fine with using a headset mic as long as the audio quality is still like 85% good. Yes, no, and I, yes, I love the technical side of things. Uh, in fact, just this morning, yeah, OBS wasn't working properly, so I got to spend my morning uh, doing some tech support on my own gear, and it was fantastic. <laughs> Well, you know what I've just noticed? What's that? I, I just noticed I wasn't recording my audio. Uh, neither was I. That's why I just snapped. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm starting recording from here, and uh, I guess Matt can just extract the audio, of the rest of it, from this YouTube video. So sorry, Matt. We've given you significantly more work, um, and... Yeah, listen, we've become so casual with uh, with these podcasts that we don't even remember to do the yeah. thing we're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, but because we're you know we're casual, just because we like you so much, Matt. It's true. We we are relaxed when we think of your anger. We think, ah, he'll be a cool guy about it. Like not just with Matt, but with our audience here, we're just we're just super cash with you guys, and we hope uh, with you all. We hope you appreciate that. Exactly, super cash. Yeah. But yes, I wanted to talk this week about the mental process of reviewing things and of writing things generally, I because that's idea. where I that's where I feel more invested. You know, I I don't care what technicals I'm using. I just I just care about bringing my thoughts and my ideas across. Mm -hmm. 
So what do you think would be a good place to start on this topic? Well, you know, let's uh, as a as a nice transition, let's talk about logistics. Uh, I was actually just having a conversation with someone about kind of what I do for for like, a, you know, we do the Marvelous Escape where we talk about the Falcon Winter Soldier show and how I was breaking that down. So how like when you play a game. Are you do you have a notepad with you? Do you have like a, a Word document open? What do you do? What's the first thing you do to write down your ideas? Well, most of the time I don't have a notes file open. Oh. Most of the because you know, when you talk about what we're playing a game particularly, mm-hmm. one of the things you're assessing about the game is how immersive it is. A lot of people talk shit about people who bring up words like immersion. They say, I don't like playing as a woman. It ruins my immersion. But no, immersion is a vital thing in the video game experience. It is Uh what the video game creator is trying to provoke in you. When I think of immersion, I think of um, forgetting that you're playing a game. Feeling like totally in and focused on the experience. And having to pause to take notes every now and again, that is that is the sort of thing that literally breaks one's immersion. Hmm. It's like, oh, wait, I'm in the real world again. Having to write thoughts so I can meet a deadline. Sure. So when I'm writing up my reviews initially, I normally just um, think back to my experience with the game. And hmm. that... And by doing that, we focus on the things that we most noticed in the game, the things that most stood out to us in the game, the overall thing we came away from the game with, which is as good a starting point as any. Hmm. Now, what we should say at this point is that we're not, this isn't really a guide to how everyone should review things. Right. No, this is just how you review things, how I review things. That's it. Just Mm. our processes. I think it's true of like any kind of writer that everyone has their own way of doing things. Mm. It's finding the thing that works for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you're able like, so then do you, you know, again, just thinking of the logistics. So like after a game session, like what's your, what's a typical game session for you for work? Not, not a personal game session. Well, I have like time set aside in the day, mm-hmm. so it's it's usually like straight after lunch. In okay. my morning, I I do whatever writing, whatever uh, work on Starstruck Vagabond I wanted to get done, mm-hmm. and I walk the dog. Usually at eleven, but not on Tuesdays because I'm recording this fucking thing. Ugh. But after this, I walk the dog, and then I have my lunch, <laughs> and then I and then I sit down to play whatever I have to play, and many many times. Toffee, why are you trying to chew the buttons off my shirt? <laughs> Uh-oh, Toffee's getting saucy. That's enough of that. <sighs> Lost my train of thought now. Well, yes, many times um, I'm not sure what I'm going to be reviewing, especially in times when there aren't that many releases. Mm-hmm. So I will I will look for games to review. And often what I'll often my first port of call will be the Wikipedia page for video games of 2021. Oh, which will which gives you a list of all the games that are coming out and gives you a little digest of what's you know noteworthy mm. because of course there are many many games that come out every week especially on Steam. Mm-hmm. So I'll usually go straight to that Wikipedia list of the noteworthy titles coming out and seeing what's uh, scheduled for this week. Okay, 
And um, often I'll like make a decision based on if it appears in there. And often, oft, oft, more often than not, though, I'll just play random things on Steam as they come out. Sure, sure. And so, like, do you do you do any sort of preparation before, like, you know, let's say you you decide on what game you're going to play. You're you're about to play, uh, you know, snowboarding bunnies from hell, right? That's the game that you've decided that you're going to play for a review. Do you do any sort of research before you play the game, or do you just jump right in? I tend to jump right in, and I'll tell you why you probably shouldn't like research, because when you do that sort of research, what you'll inevitably find is other people's reviews. Mm. And I very specifically want to avoid reading anyone else's reviews before I start playing a game. I also like avoid looking at hype and... Uh, like, uh, like press releases. Yeah, or yeah. playing demos because the only reason to play a demo is to like decide if you're going to get a game, and I already know I'm going to get the game because it's my job. <laughs> right, right. So I'll try to avoid going in with any sort of pre-understanding, uh, pre- any sort of pre- what's the word I'm after? Any sort of pre- not predilection, any sort of pre. I don't know if pre is the right word. <laughs> You're you're trying to go in as clean as possible, a blank yes. slate. Yeah. <laughs> occasionally, I, I've relished doing that. Like sometimes, I occasionally have the opportunity to just play something I know nothing about whatsoever, and I get kind of excited at that prospect. Mm. I'm like, this is going to be this is like pure game reviewing right here. Preconceived notion, thank you, chat. <laughs> and that's that's what a what reading another person's review will give you if, if if it's like a bad review or a good review you'll you'll catch yourself looking for the things the review mentioned and sure. you really want to want to avoid that okay yeah i mean i i definitely agree with you a lot of times i will start playing a game just having seen i follow like over on twitter there's a great uh a Twitter account that's a it's just six second trailers every time a new game is released on Steam it just releases a little tidbit of their trailer so I can just see in in a gift form so I can just see mm. that flashing in my timeline oh I want to play that um so oh cookie's about to uh, break into my office so uh doggy doggy break for one quick second it's always doggy break on slightly something else it's always dog o'clock um okay so you now have your official review game time of Mm -hmm. snowboarding bunnies from hell yes that uh modern classic that modern that modern where did oh she's fine she's she's uh, she's under my desk which is not a usual place for her to be uh then you you know you get your three four hours of game time in do you then take some time after that to collect some thoughts or do you just keep it all up in here until it's time to write i genuinely like don't start writing until it's time to write oh that's that's i i personally don't have the memory for that i need to write notes or i I will forget things (laughs) You forget everything we've talked about the moment we stopped talking about it. I know that from experience. <laughs> if I don't write it down, it does not exist. Um, that, that's just that's just me. That's just how my brain works. I suppose it's just that so much of my brain is devoted to thinking about video games. Mm-hmm. If I've finished playing a game for the, after a session, you know, you want to have some time to let it percolate. Think about all the games it reminded you of. Mm. All the things it was trying to do and didn't quite pull off. Whether you were immersed, whether you felt like you were having fun, or whether you were engaged. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, no, sleep on it. 
Your brain will do a lot of work for you if you just let it. Mm. Sitting there with like an empty notepad file can be a bit uh, oppressive for the thought <laughs> process, I suppose. Well, you like usually for me, no matter what it is, like for for it's. Oh, oh, now hold on, my chair got into a weird position because I had to get cookie in here. All right, like for me, I'm I'm a I'm a very I'm an intensely visual person. And so like I can watch a movie and be able to recite a movie, you know, lines, shots, scenes fairly well, just because I have a strong visual memory. Games visually usually are from the same perspective. The areas look the same a lot. And so a lot of, a lot of that kind of gets mixed into the soup of the game. But even, Mm. even with movies or with games, I always, if something strikes me, I will usually pause the movie, pause the game, make a little note. Uh, you know, it, it felt really good to jump off the ramp as a snow bunny and then continue on. And then later on, like after I'm done with the playing session, I will look through all of my little bullet points and re- and then like try to remember if that bullet point actually meant anything to me, you know, hmm. like and say, oh yeah, yeah, that, that did feel really good. Oh, and that kind of leads into this other aspect of the game and it's it's for me it's all about like making enough bullet points to coalesce my thoughts i will say that there are i do on occasion take notes while playing games oh okay and it's usually because the game is failing at immersing me properly (laughs) and if that's happening there are probably going to be some specific points i want to pick up on Mm mm-hmm and if my mind is sort of drifting while I'm playing, then that will drift in specific areas. Like, why isn't this engaging me? Sure. Why am Why am I? Why have I started Monster Hunter Rise and I'm already falling asleep? <laughs> which is which is you know an anecdote from my recent life. Hey. And uh, if I were reviewing Monster Hunter Rise, which I eventually concluded I wouldn't bother with, I would probably like open a little notes file and just write sentences as they come into my head. Mm. Like a sentence that feels like, you know, with a little bit of reworking could actually be a sentence in zero punctuation. Sure. Just because, you know, you're with your first instinct. The first, uh, this thing is like, this dude's got a mouth like an earthworm's butt. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And that, you know what, that, that is, first of all, very funny sentence, because then you are picturing an earthworm's butt. Uh, so I suppose that might get us into like the more technical side of how one writes the jokes in the Zero Punctuation episode. Well, yeah, and so like we're, we're kind of making our way through the logistics. Do the mm. jokes, do the jokes come mid-writing, or do you think of a joke and then think of how that weaves into a criticism, or vice versa, or all the above? Well, it usually starts with me like thinking of the point I'm trying to make with the specific criticism I'm on. Mm. And then usually as I'm writing it, I'll start to like feel the voice in my head and how um, how we could twist it into like a witty thing. Mm. If we, if there's any kind of bit we could go on here, like you know, speak in the voice of the game box or whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's instinct, and I think <laughs> when you when you say that, the the only advice you can have is like develop your instincts, and how you do that <laughs> is just exposing yourself to a lot of the sort of thing you want to make. Mm. Like I've seen a lot of comedy, 
yeah. I've read a lot of I've read a lot of witty writing. It's just like developing your own ability to un- instinctively understand comedic flow and mm. and comedic sentence structure and um, how to craft a sentence so it uh, you know flows diddly 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 bum. So studying poetry can help as well for, with that specifically. Yeah. Also, like uh, feedback is incredibly important. Uh, I know a lot of times, either in in classes I've taken for comedy or classes that I've taught for comedy, like being able to hear someone laugh at something you say is so helpful because then when they don't laugh, you make a little mental note. Okay, I didn't have that quite right. See, that's most of the time the thing that I don't have, Ooh, feedback. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I'm just like writing in my own head. And well, then putting out a video with no like immediate response. What what you have, what 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 we have as video makers is personal feedback. Which was that's that's yeah. a, that was the next thing I was going to get to, which is self-editing. I think like the editing process is incredibly important and it's something that anyone can do, which is record yourself saying something, then listen to it back and then you can edit how long the pauses are. You can edit which part is where and then listen to it again and see if it flows better. And then you've taught yourself how to say it right the first time. Because the other thing you could do is just write as many jokes as you can, rattle them all out as fast as you can, and then no one will be able to dwell long enough on the less than funny bits for them to stand out. Which tends which tends to work for me, I find. But yes, self-editing is an important process in both writing reviews and writing books. As I said, you have to have a sort of instinct for how a sentence flows. Yeah. You do have to have an instinct, and an instinct I I truly believe, and I know this is this is a bit of a of a controversial thing. Uh, I think that that is something that can be learned by anyone. I think some people defo are naturally defo funny. yeah defo. I'm not saying that instinct is just something you naturally have. As I said, <laughs> I spent like my developmental years watching all kinds of british comedy (laughs) and reading other people's reviews and Mm -hmm. when i was a kid i had like you know books of poetry for kids just like weird doggerel about going to school and how lunch break is nice but that was like i learned i got an early appreciation for you know sentence structure and snappy word choice to Mm -hmm. so that the sentences come together nicely without and don't get like caught up in the teeth hmm. like like when you have a word that ends with the same consonant as the start of the next word like oak creek oh oh that's so terrible that's a, <laughs> that's so terrible yeah and i'm seeing like over in youtube someone says how to get good at talking equals just talk a lot basically yeah, yeah. i mean uh, you Anything you can get good at anything with a lot of practice, yeah. But uh, importantly, talk a lot and try to analyze the feedback. Mm. If you're talking a lot and people are constantly rolling their eyes and trying to get away from you, you're probably not very good at talking. That's the real key: is you you need you need that feedback, and of course, not all feedback is helpful feedback, but. (sighs) 
you need to that's when you you need to turn on that like active listening skills where it's like are yeah record yourself are you bored listening to yourself guess what other people are too <laughs> of course i do uh, uh go out of my way to get the feedback from like the comments on on uh, youtube and the escapist as well mm. and because what i'm and i often like go to like quote websites like i was zero punctuation as a page on wiki quote oh okay and uh it's got like multiple quote pages on tv tropes now oh and i just find it uh informative to look at which particular gags have been taken out of context as quotes that's that's useful information going forward and that's helped me develop an instinct for gag writing, I suppose. Seeing what what really worked with people, I'm a kind of a bad judge of my own humor. I think mm. I never I never really know what's going to get picked out and quoted. That's why I throw as much shit at the wall as I can. <laughs> I I think that's that's probably true of everyone. I've you hear stories about that from so many different. Uh, comedy yeah. writers is like oh i i really thought this one was gonna kill it fell yeah. flat i never thought anything of this one and now There's, the cat's coming into the office i mean i being a live comedian and uh being able to immediately get feedback on the joke and immediately uh tailor your delivery mm. to so that the audience starts laughing that's a skill i can only hope to have it's the cat came into the office, so it opened the door again. It's a fucking zoo around these parts. Honestly, I have both of them in here now, and it's gonna get it's gonna get warm. It's gonna get warm fast. Just a lot of bodies and the computer and the lights. Uh, but yes, being live is a very. I, I'd actually say it's very different when you play when you play to a live audience and when you play to a uh, an audience that's kind of passively watching, like a video watching off, uh, uh, audience, it's very different timing required. Yeah, because you, you do improv, don't you? I, 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 I do, I do, I do live comedy theater, correct. Well, let's get into that. What, go, what goes through your head when you get on stage doing improv? Well, that's, well, how, do, how do you, well, how do you prep yourself mentally, I suppose? The we you know we have some warm up games where we just try to rattle stuff off. That's that's slightly different. Where it's like I'm doing scene work, and so all I'm thinking about is all I'm thinking about is listening. Like I'm listening mm. to the other people. I am character A. They're character B. How would character A react to that? And then you just go and you just there's so much training involved before you get on stage. So it's a little yeah, bit I different. I guess that's another thing where you want at some point to have the instincts and so you can just let the instincts take over. Because if you like stop yourself to like think about technique every now and again, you can't really get that flow going, can you? No, because then you get in your own head and then you just think about all the things you should be doing and not you're not thinking about just being natural and funny yeah but i guess we're doing that i guess we're doing that right now and trying to have a conversation <laughs> where our mind you and i our minds are constantly listening to the other person and trying to think of the next thing we're going to insert when we get a word in edgeways sometimes i you know i i think like 
we do a lot of we do a lot of training you know we do a lot of uh, what we call active listening training which is mm. which is not just how oh i have something to say i'm waiting for yahtzee to be done so i can say what i can say that's not active listening that's just waiting and mm. so when you're active listening you actually have to hear and take in all the words that the other person said you know uh, we yeah. we have a really fun uh i think it's really fun cuz it really helps me get into the into the listening uh game called whisper back which is a game that you uh, you're on stage with another person and you say just a couple lines and before they can say their lines they need to repeat the lines that you just said to make sure that they heard them properly and obviously like Ooh. you would never play that in front of a crowd but for us on stage it's like oh yes I'm taking in what you're saying so I can add to the conversation, not just steamroll it with whatever whatever the hell I was going to say anyway. <laughs> oh, yes, I am taking in what you're adding to the conversation instead of steamrolling in with what I was going to say anyway. So. <laughs> of course, then comes the hard part. <laughs> Then comes the hard part, which is <clears throat> which is adding crap. Absolutely. <laughs> now here's a question for Morph Ball, who didn't do a super chat, but I think it's interesting. Okay. Who asks, is it possible to make your voice more pleasant to listen to? Did we have to work on that? Because what you're talking about is like learning how to improvise, and I've done a bit of that as well. I had to do a bit of radio training mm. in preparation for when I was trying to do a TV pilot. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's been useful to like carry on to things like podcasts and stuff, understanding how to keep the flow going so there's never any dead air. Mm-hmm. Try not to think too much and let the instincts take over. So, and I learned like how to bounce off people. Mm. We did like games, like theater, sports sort of stuff. There, it's it's so so helpful if you guys um, when you know the pandemic breaks if you guys have a local improv theater they do classes it's fun and it mm. helps with stuff like this of just you know waiting for the break then you can talk knowing when the conversation is dying so you can add a new topic it's very helpful mm. uh, so like training your voice yeah that's a different the, the physicality of your voice that's a different matter of course because i have a luxurious deep <laughs> voice for i am a large man with a large voice box that makes my neck weird and my chin a bit weak but we take what we can get <laughs> uh and uh, uh what i will say is i do think that whenever i stream or whenever i record anything i do i speak a little more purposefully and i do think i go an octave or not an octave not not a full octave i i believe i go lower my voice is lower than what it sounds like normally if you were just to talk to me this is like mm. this voice that i'm doing currently is a presenter voice or i could slip into my audiobook voice which is also a little bit deeper because you can tell i'm being serious Ooh, what was that exposition you just gave? I am so interested," said Jack. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yes. So, as for what you can do to make your voice sound better, I think my voice has changed over the years of doing zero punctuation. I find it hard to listen to my early videos because I think I had a bit more of a R W lisp in my earlier stuff sure which i still sort of drop into dwop into if i'm not paying attention oh so but i think that's just learning how to enunciate yeah bite bite off your consonants 
and, and you know the 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 best way to do this and this is going to sound silly but like luckily no one else will be listening is literally try different voices find a microphone mm. record your you know record yourself like this a little you know tighten your larynx and go go a little higher see if that helps and then you know loosen up the larynx and try a little slower paced and see if that sounds well well, yeah, that sounds well, there's, cool. there's, good. <laughs> there's there's vocal exercises you can find. Learn like just like one thing we learned is to sort of like before you do like a record or something, just try to like warm up the muscles of your face by making making them vibrate. It's like and that's uh, really sort of get the muscles of your mouth moving. Yeah, or or you know, just do some tongue twisters, just to you know, warm yeah. up. You know, do do unique New York, new unique New York, red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry, yellow lorry. Yeah. Uh, we're doing zero punctuation. I, I, if I'm recording zero punctuation, I make a point of exaggerating my mouth movements a bit, so the consonants get bitten off and the vowels don't get lost too much. <laughs> or do the Mister Plank? Yeah, or do the Mister Planker <laughs> voice? That's 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 a, good a surprisingly one. good impression. Such a good voice, man. That's yeah. such, that's a great voice. It's funny that you have red lorry, yellow lorry, because we we have red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. That's a great one. Uh, Sister Susie sells herself to sailors. Sister Susie sells herself to sailors. Well, the less said about Sister Susie, the better. (laughs) But but also, like, Yahtzee brings up a really good point, which is when you're just recording your voice. Like, obviously, like, we're on camera now, so we have to talk, and our our face has to look normal. But if Mm. you're just recording vocals... Have the weirdest have the weirdest face you would like as long as you're enunciating properly. Have you heard it said ever that uh, people can hear when you're smiling? I don't think I have heard that. Like, have you? Have, can you tell that I'm smiling as I say this in a slightly unsettling way? <laughs> you, that sounds like a that sounds like a, a killer character. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, can you tell that I'm smiling? I can see you, but you can't see me. Yeah, I can tell oh, okay. just from just from the voice, right? When you're smiling, I think that's something people are told in customer service. Is people can tell when you're smiling? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So you know, you might be working for minimum wage for people who despise you, uh-huh. but don't stop smiling. <laughs> Never smile stop. always. Never stop smiling, or at least smile with your eyes. It doesn't have to be with your mouth. Just look interested. Look meaningfully into the page that you're reading hmm. so yes voice training and um try like trying to speak in a silly accent that can help as well uh all right. All right. like live in australia for a bit oh god try to pick up some of that accent some of that accent china <laughs> Very popular on YouTube right now is is anyone with an Australian or uh, Kiwi accent. Absolutely. Well, that can certainly give you a boost, especially on YouTube, having a non-American accent. Mm, yeah, we find it quaint. Well, a lot of Americans find the British and Australian accents more pleasing to listen to. Mm. That's just a fact. It is. Because Americans naturally speak with a bit more of a slur. So the British and Australian accents are naturally more understandable interesting this is true this is a thing i I believe you i i've spoken to many americans and yes sometimes it is hard to hear them 
Yeah, because like the the natural American accent is to sort of sort of soften all your consonants and sl- slur everything a bit. Oh god! Oh god! Oh no! You just you just took me back to the farm country there. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like I was once I was once having a conversation about this with some Americans and Canadians, and they told me to say the words bother and father because in American accents those kind of sound exactly the same. Yeah, I would say bother. Yeah. Bother and father. And I'd say bother and father. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I think I would do that. That's my, that's, that's deep Wisconsin. That's my deep Wisconsin accent right there. That's. (laughs) Yes. Neku Nemo says, as a foreigner, British English, far easier to understand than American English. Cause British English, of course, has the received pronunciation accent. And it's called received pronunciation because it's about pronouncing every part of the letter, every part of the word. And it, the, it has the effect of making you sound awfully posh. <laughs> but it's very easy to understand. And it's the reason why pretty much every BBC newsreader speaks in a voice like this. Very clear, very concise. Hmm. I appreciate that. Can you speak? I ju- oh, I just did a, the Upper Peninsula voice. That's the deep Wisconsin voice. Oh, there you go. Cute suit. Oh, what, where did you get that at the racket pennies? Oh, we could, we could wear that ice fishing right there. Yeah, sort of drifting towards Canada there. Right? Yeah, like that's our upper. The Upper Peninsula is actually Michigan's Upper Peninsula that's physically attached to Wisconsin. Not Michigan, still part of Michigan. A little weird. Hmm. Uh, in In any case... Uh, we kind of got off on a little bit of a voice thing. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I had fun with it. It was great. No, it was great. Mostly because we got to do weird accents and voices. Well, let's t- let's take some super chats to guide well, the conversation well, a bit further. Before before we get into super chats, I feel like we we didn't get into kind of the the post or, or like the middle post process of writing a review. So for for you. You keep all the information in your head as you play a game. Unless, of course, it's very boring for you, then you will write notes as to why it's boring for you. Yeah, yeah. And when it's all in your head, I sit down to start writing, and then it's just seeing where you go, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes you'll make a point and it'll lead into another point. You're talking about the graphics, you cite an example from the game, and that will get you into talking about the gameplay in that section of the game. Hmm. And it's just letting your mind meander through all the little thoughts you had about the game and then, like, hacking it off with some hacky end gag at the end. Of course. It is. Because that's the important part is just to end on a gag. Always. And usually usually at the end I just fall back on saying, in summary, or to put it briefly, and then just summarize, just to give, like, the quick one-sentence review of the game. Because that's pretty easy to make funny. Yeah. Just go, go fl- flighty, flighty, talky, talky, gamey game, and then weird knob gag to break people out of the little stupor you just put them into. <laughs> and so, like, when you, when you are, like, after after you've kind of had a, a you know, a draft of the review, are, are there certain bullet points that you want to hit with every game? You know, I know every, usually it's, it's, what, graphics, gameplay, story... Yeah. Right. No, I mean, there's, I say I tend to meander, but um, there's often I'll start by talking about the story, the premise, mm-hmm. and then uh, go into analysis of the gameplay from like the midpoint of the review. Mm-hmm. And, like, early on, I like to go on a little tangent 
like just set like establishing this the subject of the game and the subject of the review to do a little joke about if you're doing like a call of duty game like a little like paragraph about how americans are weird and secretly want to be invaded so they can fantasize about being big shooty balls heroes so if uh, well, could russia just you know take one for the team and invade america one of these days that'd be great there, there's a lot of people just looking for someone to shoot absolutely yeah yeah so that can be good just you know find something like tangential thing to talk about so that can sort of you can segue into the game sure it's a nice way nice way to start all right no i think i think that's very it's very interesting uh it's very interesting that you're able to and this is just me having a very different brain than you that you're able to hold it all up in there until until you get to the writing phase well as i said that can be the best way to sort of strain out what's actually important about the game Mm -hmm. to think about what you still have in your mind (laughs) after a few days have passed Mm, i suppose i suppose all right well great all right, so I think some super chats have scrolled off my restream window, so I'm going to go track them down. Go get them, yachts! You you get the lasso, rat them, rat them all up. Thank thank you, good filler there. <laughs> yeah, good. We're going on, little doggy. Uh, where did I find the super chats last time? Uh, you had to log into something. Yeah, I've logged into like YouTube Studio of the Escapist YouTube channel. Oh, well then there you go. It all comes down to knob gags. It, you know, the something Yahtzee maybe glossed over a little bit there, which is it all comes down to the last impression. If 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 people are laughing when you are done, they will remember the whole thing as funny. Well, that's the the classic like stand-up comedy advice, isn't it? Yes. Start start strong and finish strong. <laughs> then you know, put some stuff in the middle. Yeah. yeah. So like weakest stuff in the middle. Just like structure everything mm-hmm. so that uh, you end on your best gag. Start with your second best gag, and then just scatter everything around mm-hmm. ladder style. Right. Yeah. So Morphal is saying first or last impression more important both i'd say last is more important last is more important ah, ooh do you not agree i i don't agree in that they're both so important if if you don't make a good first impression they won't get to your last impression well i suppose and so, and so but if you if you if you start off strong and then piddle away, that's all they're going to remember. And so I think they are equally, equally, equally important. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. You need to you need to kick down that door, come in strong, fill in the middle, and end on a you know solid masturbation joke. So, just you know, yeah. both yeah, hands out, around yeah. it. Bring out your primo knob gags for that. Bit. Yeah, have a list, break in Off- case of, yeah. Sometimes I like go back through what I've written and like pick a knob gag from earlier in the review and restructure it so I can end on it. Ooh. Which saves having to like suddenly think of one right when you get to the end. Mm. I like that. <laughs> but it's difficult sometimes because as I say, often when I'm writing a review, one thought will flow into the next 
And so it's hard to like suddenly take one tangent and put it somewhere else. Mm. And then, oh, then you got to write, write more jokes. Then, then, you know, then you get down to the ball jokes and those are always hit or miss. Yes. Always be careful when you get down to the ball. Right. It's it, very easy to choke. It's the worst when they, when they hit each other. Are we ready for some super chats? I found them now. Yes. Okay, first one from IG Productions, who gives five US dollars to say, when's the review for Packard's shark film? I was hoping you'd understand. Shark film? Packard's shark film. I have no idea what that is even a reference to. I will be honest well, with you. Well, moving on then. Thanks okay. for the money, IG Productions. We appreciate that. <laughs> Sam Phillips gives two US dollars to ask, popping in, anything ever beaten right to hell? Anything ever? In terms of, in terms of badness, not that comes to my immediate mind. I mean, uh, that werewolf game was pretty bad. But it was, but it wasn't bad in the way that's sort of funny to talk about. The way Ride to Hell was. Mm. Mm. Contra Rogue Corps was was incredibly bad. I might even say a worse game to play, but not funny bad either. Plenty of games are just bad to play, but Ride to Hell has that wonderful combination of being bad to play, but also hilariously so. That's- Did you ever play that one? Right. Oh God, no, no, <laughs> no! I, I saw it and I said, I, I said, I'm good. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah, that it's. Come on, come on, come on now. Okay, Vlaisju gives five Great British pounds mm-hmm. to ask Hayati. Have you tried Hypnospace Outlaw? I feel like it would be up your street, given that you like typing as a gameplay mechanism. Mm. I would say I like it. I used it once in one of my dev diary games. But I'm not sure off the top of my head what Hypnospace Outlaw is. I think I might have played we, it. I, I want to say you and I have talked about it before. Remember, it's it's the game in which you can no-clip through the level, and then you need to like program all the doors and lights and stuff. Mm, are you sure that's the one? Because I'm looking at screenshots of this game. And uh, it's like low poly 3D. Is it, oh, am I thinking of the wrong game? Hold on. Yeah, you might be thinking of something else. I'm looking at Hypnospace Outlaw is like a game that looks like it simulates the internet. Do, do, do. Oh, that's Quadrilateral Cowboy. Whoops. Yeah, yeah. I have played that. Hyp- Hypnospace Outlaw. Well, I'm intrigued by it just by the screenshots. Maybe I'll look at it later. What the hell is this game? Oh, I know, right? What is that? This looks this looks weird. This looks great. Um you know sorry quadrilateral cowboy to be fair you have you both have ridiculous names yeah and outlaw cowboy right. it's easy to like get those together bloop, 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 anyway bloop. i might look at that later please thank you for the recommendation stephen butler who gives two us dollars to ask jack is that a wind waker t-shirt i believe it is isn't it it is a wind waker t-shirt oh here even the bottom has a little has a little wavies. yeah that's uh link's uh lobster pajamas that he wears at the start of the game and that you can wear through the whole game on a new game plus that's right and it's great it's great to play new game plus plus just to play in this outfit because it is the superior outfit 
I think that's the only thing that changes in New Game Plus. Mm. Oh, you can understand, like, Hylian dialect as well in a New Game Plus. Oh, okay. So all the characters who in the previous run-through were talking, like, weird nonsense language are all talking perfect English mm. and spoiling the plot. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, I, this, and this is new. This is, like, my, my most recent shirt purchase. Uh, mm. And I was, I was very excited to wear it today because I thought... Um, I thought we were going to do this and film uh, the Escapist show, but we're filming that tomorrow, so I'm not. I don't get to wear this on Escapist show. So you guys All get right it. Then. This is it. You get it. <laughs> uh, have we got five euros from Syndromes Spazalicious Gaming? Wow. Now there's a name and a half. Mm. Who asks, is it hard to disconnect your job part from your I am playing a game part? Do you note down your thoughts periodically or at the very end? We talked about that, but um, yes, I have a distinction in my head between playing game for work and playing game for myself. Often when I'm playing game for myself, I want to—I just want to turn my brain off. Mm-hmm. I'll just play something mindless and stick a podcast on, or I'll grind through a Persona dungeon. <laughs> Yeah, that and that that's always a monetizing your hobbies is always a, a yeah. razor yeah. line to walk. Cuz when I'm playing a game for work, that's that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like work. Yeah. And everyone says, "Oh, I wish I my job was playing video games all day, but you know, I am just as mentally exhausted from a day's playing game for work as anyone else with an office job is from at the end of a day's work." Mm-hmm. Difference is sometimes I play something that I find really exciting. And would really like to talk about, like, an Undertale or Return of the Oberdin. Sure, sure. And not many people get that from entering data all day. I don't know, maybe you do. Maybe that's your thing. Yeah, I bet some people would really enjoy that. Oh, my God. Find a f- yeah, see, I collated the Excel spreadsheet today, and then I color-coded all of the monthly invoices. <laughs> Find a job you love, and you'll never work a day of your life. Barbara freaked out. Scavenger gives five US dollars to ask, are there different kinds of immersion? I can really get into beach volleyball or Minecraft, but it's different from Terror from Resident Evil 7. I suppose, yeah. I mean, the immersion into a horror game is different in that you have to sort of reach a a deeper level of immersion to really get the benefit from horror, whereas Minecraft, you're on a more of a surface level of immersion, I suppose. Hmm. I would, I would consider that all the same. I would consider that all the same uh, immersion coming from different sources, though. Wouldn't like as long as you're invested, that's all that really right. matters. I guess, like, just on the strict definition, if you're immersed, you've like forgotten you're playing a game. You've bl- you've like shut out the rest of the world. Yeah, and I guess that can. Yeah, that's just what you want. That's the only like that's all the immersion is. But I guess you can reach that from different directions. Right. I was I was playing a game earlier, and like I I dislike the art style, and I don't care about the story. But I got so into the systems of the game that that the world fell around me, and all I could think about were the systems, and that is equally as immersive as when you are uh, invested in a good story. Yeah, you can get immersed into the system. You can get immersed in a challenge. Yeah, you can get immersed in exploration. Ooh, absolutely, absolutely. Just but it's all getting you to the same central point of immersion. The the hope of not thinking about the real world for five fucking minutes. 
Cheerful Spider gives. <laughs> yes. Timing. Sorry, we're going to have to. Timing. No, Yati, you yes. killed it. You nailed it. Sorry, we're going to have to go back to the real world now. Cheerful Spider gives five US dollars and five cents, for reasons best known to themselves, to ask, I'm curious to get your reactions to the quote, all art is a series of corrections from the first line. Well, I suppose you could say that. I'm not sure that's a particularly helpful quote to think of art in those terms. All art is a series of corrections from the first line. Yeah, like you just lay out an idea and then you just correct it for the rest of the work. Or or, um, clarify it. Sure. I I think that can I, I believe that statement can be very helpful in reminding people that editing is a thing, whether it's painting or yeah. writing or video making. I'm not sure I'd apply it to novel writing. Cause the first line of my first book, Mogworld, was quick, 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 quick. And there wasn't much to work off there. It was just the sound of an alarm going off. Well, but you you elaborated on that line through the rest of the novel and changed things as you needed, right? Well, maybe. More so in my second book, Jam, where the first sentence was, I woke up to find myself in a city that had been covered in a three-foot layer of man-eating jam. Boom. And that whole book was basically just elaborating on that first line. Sure. That's all you need? I... I think that that line is is too pretentious to be helpful, mm. but I like the sentiment, I guess. Eh. Scavenger comes in again to give us five US dollars to say, does success make critiquing difficult? I get the impression Game Informer is afraid to critique so as not to lose industry contacts. Well, that does seem to be the risk with the... That sort of review outlet. Mm. I don't really have that problem because I think people understand my work is very personality driven. And a big core of my appeal is that I'm extremely unflinchingly honest. Mm. And I think publishers understand that. Well, some of them do. (laughs) Some publishers won't work with us at all. Mm, What a bunch of gits. I, I think you have to choose you have to choose a direction. You're either going to be personality driven, which means you probably won't have early access to things, and that's okay. Mm. Uh, or you can play the game and get early access and have your you well, know, if you have got early now. access, then that's leverage that the publishers have over you. right. That is something they can deny you. Mm-hmm. But I like tend to put my reviews out a few weeks after everyone else's. Yeah. So I don't, they don't really have that leverage over me. I just buy it when it comes out and review it when I'm review it when I'm ready. And well, I know people will come to my reviews because I'm offering something unique that a game informer review does not. Exactly. I have the leverage there, motherfuckers. But Game Informer not only had their review out day of release, they got a behind-the-scenes look at the making of and interviews with the creatives and all yeah, and a big sorts box of other. Yeah, big box of free shit, yeah. don't we, Nick? Nick, don't we get boxes of free shit all the time full of <laughs> books and f- hot sauce and free money? <laughs> Yes, he was telling me about this box of free shit Outriders sent him that had a, like a bottle of hot sauce in it for whatever reason. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. 
Krogotron gives 50, I think that's Norwegian Krona, to say Rich Evans is thrown back in time and has to replace one of the Monty Pythons. Who would you pick? I would mourn for my friend Rich Evans. (laughs) Well, that's just avoiding the thrust of the question, I fear. 100%. (laughs) I one I probably can't I you know I know of all the Monty Pythons I don't know if I could name them all and I I wouldn't Ugh. and I, John Cleese Eric Idle Graham Chapman Terry Jones Terry Gilliam and Michael Palin eh, sure it's like you're not British or something it's very much like I'm not British I I also you know I enjoy Monty Python I don't know if I'm a, like a super fan uh, no I wouldn't want him to replace any of them because I enjoy their work in general. Um, yeah, they all know. do their own thing. Well, I guess the most interchangeable one would be Terry Jones because he did all the screechy voices. Ooh, there you go. I think, uh, you know, the 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 trickier part of that is Rich being someone from modern day has uh, germs and bacteria in his body that if he got close to the uh, past Monty Pythons would actually probably make them very sick and probably kill them. Well, it's, that's another pedantic asshole approach to a hypothetical question. It's well demonstrated, is, Jack. Is really is really a, a more difficult thing than than we understand. So I wouldn't want him to go there because he would make them sick, and then I wouldn't be able to see their funny sketches. Oh, shut up! Engineer donates five U.S. dollars to say something I learned from working at McDonald's. But just force yourself to talk more, and you get better if you try. Less of there's a magic trick. Well, I guess working for McDonald's is good for something. Hmm. And uh, obviously, I appreciate everyone who works at McDonald's because sometimes I like to fill my face with stuff that's really bad for me. Mm-hmm. Me too. Although I'm surprised by how few McDonald's there are around where I live. Mm. I was used to living in like inner city Brisbane where there's like five within two minutes walk. Right. That's the thing that if you like stop and think about it, like in certain areas, how many McDonald's are so close to each other and all of them are still successful, you know, we just have a problem. You never know where you'll be when you get an urge to fill your face with crap. But yeah, they're surprisingly hard to find around like the, around the, uh, the nice suburbs where I am at the moment. Sure. Sure. I guess uh, the residents of this area prefer a certain image. I, I suppose, or or they don't uh, have children who will only eat McNuggets. Uh, because because that's sometimes sometimes that's all you can get. I'm I'm still at the stage where we're just happy if she eats any fucking thing. Nuggets. That's all they want is the nuggets. Get them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh Angelo gives 499 US to say how do you discern whether something is a worthy criticism outside of just nitpicking or complaining I personally worry about that a lot Well I suppose it comes down to the question of is this really ruining your experience with the game or the film Is this detracting from the fun part uh, That that to me is a that to me is a sassy question Yahtzee Really? You're accusing Uh-Oh Angelo of sass there? I'm accusing Uh-Oh Angelo of being a bit sassy because sometimes a criticism can be a nitpick. And if if it's a bunch of little nitpicks and the whole ruins your experience, that's fine. Or that's all yeah. you have to say about it. Like the criti- a criticism is a criticism no matter the level, you know? Yeah. It's like... Sassy. 
It's like what Mark Twain said. If uh, a man is uh, discontent, then even if he believes he's the only one, it is, his, it is his duty to rebel, just as it is the duty for everyone else in a democracy who is content to vote, vote him down. So if there's, if, you, if there's one thing that you're having trouble with, it is your duty to mention it. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Your, your feelings are valid. Ooh, that's that's right. Your feelings are valid, but but I mean, it's also and here's where I'm gonna I'm gonna call myself on a little bit of sass. It's also valid to say, well, that's just a nitpick. It didn't bother me because here's the other thing about criticism: it's all subjective, baby. So you, ooh, need that's to, a that's a good escape, isn't it? Is right. <laughs> so well, yes, well pulled of the escape lever and escape shooting out of that whole conversation, Jack. Well done. Let me uh, let me stop your super chats for a second because we got. Some some bits over on twitch i don't Ooh. know if that shows up on your restream or not not on my list of youtube super chats okay so i i want to get to this uh before the twitch uh chat scrolls away from it okay um uh because jordy gh gave us some bits over on twitch to say are you aware of modern retro console game dev have you tried any of it or have any interest to? I mean, modern games developed for NES, Genesis, Mega Drive, Commodore 64. I don't know. It feels a bit gimmicky. I, I don't have any of those consoles. I'd prefer to just play something styled after retro games. Mm. I think it's, it's, just, it's just showing off what you can do with the cartridge space, I suppose. It's like the demo scene back in the day. It is neat. Like, I, I like the idea, but I agree with the sentiment that, like, sure, that's neat that you – and you could even, like, put it on, like, an old board and plug it into an old SNES. That'd be really fun, but that doesn't help me play it because I no, have Steam. Right. And if you can't play it, what was the point? Uh, an art installation. <laughs> Capitan Grigori gives five Australian dollars to say, do you think some of your success can be lended to your unique voice? I'd imagine zero punctuation work as well. Oh, well, I guess you mean you can't imagine zero punctuation work as well without my quippy British accent. Mm. Well, yeah, I guess that was the format that fit what I was capable of, and that's why I worked out so well. But as I say, you know, having a good voice is a matter of practice in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, everyone's voice is unique in its own way. Sort of. It would be very weird to, like, have two people with very similar voices talking next to each other. That would be very, very strange. Yes. Then you're just making the Adam and Joe podcast. A reference you won't get. Nope. All right. Scavenger again. <laughs> gives $5 to say, how much time does the whole review process press start on game to final edit done take per week? Mm. Well, it's actually um, a two-week process. Because uh, I'll usually be writing the review for one game and playing another game in the afternoon. Okay. So in the first in like uh, the first week is playing the game, which is usually I usually do in the afternoons after lunch, and then I start the review the following Monday. I write the script the first two days, make the images for the next three days, and uh, compile the record and compile the whole video on Friday, and that's it. It's two week. It's a two week process. Oh, okay. And the video will usually comes out the following Thursday. And I, ass I assume the bulk of that time is just playing the game, as some games are significantly long. Oh, yeah. And it's a real pain in the ass when the game comes out on Thursday. 
and uh, have to play through the whole play it through the whole bloody weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're married, warn your wife before you do that. There's another hot tip. Yahtzee has learned from experience. <laughs> Got to play these games, hon. Got to play these games. Xanon <laughs> mm. Silvers gives 49 US dollars. Holy shit! Check out Moneybags over here. To ask probably an old question, in each of your opinions, what Souls like was the worst or most painful to have to review? Oh, they're trying to bait Souls chat out of us. Well, I guess the most, I guess in retrospect, the Demon Souls review is the most painful because I'm quite embarrassed of my first Demon Souls review now. Ooh, sure, sure. And like, I haven't done many. Like, I haven't done proper Souls reviews besides Bloodborne. I think so. Would you say any of them, any of those games, were painful to play? Dark Souls Two. I mean, I didn't even finish Dark Souls Two. I I I got far too longer. I got far too long in it for how much I was enjoying it. I pl- I tried to play extra long Dark Souls Two to find some sort of enjoyment out of it, and I found none. Everyone in the chat's reminding us that when we say Souls like, we of course mean recursive games. Ooh, uh, and I really disliked my time with Mortal Shell, mm. and I think that's all I've played. Yeah, there aren't many really good souls like outside of from softwares mm. games. I find yeah, it's a diffi- it's a tricky formula. People keep trying to recreate it because it's so popular, but turns out making it's really hard, and you have to be really good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I I'm excited. I know like it got a bit of a mixed review. Demons Souls the remake, uh, but I think eventually when PlayStation fives uh, grow in the wild again, I will play it. So I'm excited about that. You can pluck one out of your cabbage patch. Ooh, hold on, it's almost time. Uh, Unjointed Goose Eight gives eight ninety nine New Zealand dollars to say, Yahtzee, you mentioned in a slightly civil war episode that H Bomber guy mentioned you in one of his YouTube videos. Which one was it? Uh, if memory serves, he calls me out in a review of Demon Souls, which makes sense because he references my first Demon Souls review, which, as I've said, I'm slightly embarrassed about now. Mm. Sure. I think you might have mentioned me in, a, in some other videos as well. I'm uh, not sure. I like his videos, that H-Bomber guy. He makes fun videos. I enjoy I, watching them. I quite like them too, except when he specifically calls me out in them. But even when he does, apparently, you agree with him. So. <laughs> so. Uh, Bell Tower Subductions gives two euros to ask, Yards, have you ever heard of Sunless Skies Stroke Seas? Yes, I have. Thanks for the money, Bell Tower Subductions. <laughs> Hope that was everything you dreamed it would be. Yeah, I've played both of them. Yeah, they're fine. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Morphball H-Bomber guy. I mean, I didn't, I'm, I'm not like crazy about them, as everyone seems to think I should be. <laughs> when they bring it up, when they bring it up, I mean, clearly he just asked that question because he thought I'd launch into some lengthy diatribe about how great or stroke how awful those games are. But I didn't really have strong opinions. Sorry, that's usually a go-to. Like, oh, you like the arty farty stuff? Let me show you this sea sky sunless thing. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Mm. I've seen that. I've seen that over the internet. I'm not falling for it. I'm not playing them. I'm going to say this is our last Super Chat. So no more after this one. Stop it. Jensen Blaine gives five US dollars to say, Yahtzee, having done reviews as long as you have, have you had to reconcile with any changes in taste from your early days to avoid contradiction? Well, there we go. Demon Souls again. Yeah. But I have also, as I've like had to reconcile in more recent years, started to realise that there are several JRPGs I quite like. Mm. When I used to be quite a uh, hard line taking the piss out of those. Although I still say that it's mainly JRPGs that uh, break free of the usual formula that I like. Sure. And you would consider Persona uh, games that break free of the, the tropes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Persona, which I might as well turn into like the new Dark Souls in that I'm trying to av- <laughs> going to try to avoid talking about it from now on. Persona, Earthbound, uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Mm-hmm. Even that Nino Kuni 2 I quite liked. In that, that that was the game where you play as the president of the United States who gets transported to a fantasy world and has to protect a cat boy. Oh, is that like the Studio Ghibli-like? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was the sequel to Nino Kuni 1, which was overtly a Studio Ghibli production. It even had like Studio Ghibli animated like cutscenes in it. Sure, sure. Nino Kuni 2 didn't have the animated cutscenes in, mm. which was a little disappointing. But But still a solid game, you think? Well, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think there's some issues with the design and uh, every now and again it falls into anime tropes Mm. that I find really annoying. But what a hook, eh? What a hook. The President of the United States gets gets killed by a nuclear bomb and wakes up in a fantasy world. Yeah. Tell me, tell me you're not intrigued. I, I, no, I love it. I love that premise. I I don't know if it works with the art style, but hey, who cares? It's great. Hell of a that I haven't had a premise that I love so much since the since the mayor started punching punks to get his daughter back in Streets mm. of Rage. I remember looking at like the comments on YouTube under my Nino Kuni Two review, and half of them are like, "That can't be the premise of the game." <laughs> and they, and I'm going to go watch the intro sequence of that game. Oh, it is the premise of that game. Well, color me surprised. Uh, and before we wrap up, uh, there are a couple things I want to mention here, as I see in the chat. Uh, a, a recursive game that is like Dark Souls that I did enjoy a lot is Salt and Sanctuary. Someone is reminding me of that. Oh, yes. That's, that's quite good. The art style's a bit... Um, terrible. Early 2000s webcomic. Yeah, you can say terrible. It's okay. It's really ugly. Yeah. It's really bad to look at uh, your character specifically. But the gameplay is solid, and it, it does the 2D side-scrolling recursive thing perfectly. There you go. The other thing I want to uh, just put a little button on is for those who don't know uh, the kinds of videos that H Bomber guy makes. Uh, he, he makes a lot of really solid long form uh, videos. Yeah. Uh, a lot of he's, game a, he's a he's a video essayist. Ooh, that's the that's the name for it. The, of that particular type, who puts out like half hour hour long reviews of single games. Mm. You know, like like your Ross Scott and your and your people like that. Yes. Very fun videos that he makes. Those are the watching, two things. I was watching um, Folding Ideas video on the Nostalgia Critic the oh, other day. Yes, his uh, his the his his review of the review of the wall. Man, 
Nostalgia Critic really strikes me as one of those guys who really, really lucked out from just being one of the first, you know? <laughs> as as someone who has literally never seen one of his reviews, like watching a review of his review makes me really happy that I've never seen one of his reviews. Yes. Yeah, because every clip I've seen of a Nostalgia Critic review is a sort of insta-cringe on my part. Yes, very, very much so. But but hey, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you get to just stumble into success, and I, I, I guess good for him. Good for <laughs> him, you know. Maybe people might accuse me of being one of those people who stumbled into success just by shouting a lot of swear words. Mm. I like to think I never let myself get up myself the way certain other early successes on the internet did. I think I think it's tough because there there's genuinely good work by people who, yeah, you know, they swear a lot. They're, they're maybe a little more outrageous. They're maybe a little more... Um, uh, they, they push some buttons and then like the next wave of people after that take the wrong lessons and they say, oh, all I need to do is make a funny voice and swear a lot and then I'll be mm. successful. And they forget about the actual like, like critique part of the formula, yeah. you know, use the swear word as the blade on your scalpel, not the head of your sledgehammer. Oh, the, the poetry, Yahtzee, poetry. Well, as I said, I studied poetry. It helps. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, uh, also, spend your whole life playing video games. That helps you review them. Oh, absolutely. Perhaps we should have mentioned that earlier. <laughs> be be genuinely knowledgeable and some understanding of the analysis of game mechanics. Mm-hmm. That all that can also help. Eh, I, I guess. Think I'm just hurrying this out because I think we're overrunning a bit. Yeah, sure. Who can do We're here. Everything's fine. Toffee. Well, Toffee cares. Oh, he needs his walk. Toffee, I'm so sorry. Okay, well then let's, uh, real quick before we head into the outro here, uh, make sure uh, that you, uh, you know, you become a YouTube member over here on our YouTube channel so you can super chat at us so we can talk about the bullshit that you say to us. Always appreciated. Or you can become mm. an Escapist Plus member and then you get all sorts of perks and benefits you can also follow us on uh, Twitter. These are our Twitter names in these nice little boxes underneath us right there. Uh, the other thing you can do is make sure you follow. Uh, I want to say Nick. Nick has moved uh, the live streams over to the Escapist live stream channel. So now we have a channel mm. dedicated to all the live streams. Yeah, uh, the live streams don't all clutter up the main Escapist exactly. Like lists. So we got the live stream channel, we got the Escapist main channel, and we got the Escapist movie channels. That's three channels. You got to click on all of them, then you get all of our shit. There you go. Well, thanks for watching Slightly Something Else. I was Yahtzee Groshaw. And I was Jack Packard. And now I'm going to see if my credits thing works. Well, does it? Yeah, I think it does. Oh, oh. well, oh wait, now it's just a white screen. Oh, um. For a moment there, something actually bloody worked. Oh, fuck. Story of our lives. Oh, wait, here it is. Yay!